the reality of the matter is that our time on this planet is finite. And whether it's an experience at a cafe with someone or at a park or on a boat or on a Zoom call or whatever, it's like we only have so many of these experiences. And it's a big decision and it's a big responsibility to choose how you want to spend your time and where you want to spend it. And it is also a reminder of how fleeting our time is and to make the most of it. Welcome to Badass Digital Nomads, where we're pushing the boundaries of remote work and travel, all while staying grounded with a little bit of old school philosophy, self-development, and business advice from our guests. Hey there, Kristen from Traveling with Kristen, and welcome to episode 225 of Badass Digital Nomads. My guest today really needs no introduction as he is none other than the one and only Pale Bo, who is also known as the Radio Vagabond. And Pale was on episode number seven of Badass Digital Nomads back in 2018, where we had a conversation from the beach in Brazil with sunset drinks. And so I will link to that episode and also the video version of it for you in the show notes as it was uh, quite the setup there. But Pale is a longtime radio producer from Denmark who has a traditional background in advertising and started working in radio back in the 80s. And he's had a host of different jobs throughout his career, but he's currently living the dream as the founder, owner, and CEO of Radio Guru, which is a production and consulting company where he helps develop radio campaigns and produces podcasts and does sound design for companies while traveling the globe. And travel he has because Pale has been to twice as many countries as me. I think he said that in the past year, he's been to more than 100 countries, 115 countries total in seven years and 48 states. And he travels faster than anyone I know, except maybe Matt Bowles. They both travel pretty quickly. Matt from the Maverick show. And in the last year, he stayed in 102 different places in more than 30 countries. So we're going to talk about how he does that in today's episode and also how he plans his trips, how he sustains this lifestyle. And then we get a bit philosophical or a lot philosophical at the end, talking about what is the meaning of all of this and the contrasts between fast travel and slow travel in the sense of how do you experience these places? How do you get to know a place? And then kind of the melancholy realization of just passing through places. So we're going deep on this one. I absolutely love this conversation and I hope that you enjoy it as well. And it gives you a lot of tips and insight into how you can start and sustain a travel lifestyle of your dreams 
in your 50s and beyond. So enjoy today's conversation with Pale Bo. And as you will hear later in the episode, when Pale travels, he does a lot of road trips. And so that's why today on the episode, I wanted to share with you discovercars.com, which has no hidden costs, 24 seven support and free cancellation. And you can save up to 70% on your next rental car and book with no hidden fees. Discover Cars has vehicles in 145 countries, more than 10,000 locations, and they have cars from more than 500 partners. So you can always be assured that you are getting the best car at the best deal. You can give them a try using our link in the show notes and save up to 70% on your next rental car reservation. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give a warm welcome to Mr. Pale Bo, the radio vagabond and rock star who I miss so dearly <laughs> and haven't seen in like five years. How is that possible? No, it's crazy. It's when was that? That was the end of 2018. Wow. And I blame the pandemic, really. <laughs> we always blame the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, we can. Just, everyone can universally blame the pandemic for everything. It's a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that in Brazil after uh, Nomad Cruise? Yes. I don't even think wow. I had launched the podcast yet because I didn't launch until May of 2019. So I was just collecting interviews at that time. Yeah, yeah. And now we're on episode 225. Wow, you're so productive. That's <laughs> well, cool. I don't know about that. <laughs> You've been doing this for way longer. What episode are you on? Do you count? Uh, yeah, I'm on 275, I think, in my English feed. And then in my Danish feed, I'm at 320 or something like that. Incredible. Yeah. Hard to comprehend. It was my goal to put out an episode every week, but especially in the last year or so, I haven't been able to keep up with that schedule because my episodes are so edited and I spent so much time producing stuff. I still record wherever I am, so I got a ton of recordings that I haven't put out yet. I even got some stuff from Brazil I haven't put out yet that I recorded back then. So wow. it's it's almost embarrassing. No, I'm at the same point. I have videos from 2018 I haven't published yet, but they will come oh. out and it will be weird. <laughs> I'm not alone. Yeah. <laughs> no. So uh, in the beginning, I was, uh, I was editing them chronologically in the order that I recorded them. But then I was so behind and it just made it... So, uh, and then I do a whole season about one part of the world and it was a bit of the same for a long time. So now I'm just picking and choosing. I'm going into all my folders and seeing, oh, what do I have? Where do I want to go next week? Hmm. Let me see. Bolivia. Yeah. So I that. Uh, that way I'm, I'm, I'm jumping around the world in my podcast and it's still relevant, even though it's, it's not like it's totally outdated. It's still totally relevant what I'm talking about and the people I meet. So I don't think my listeners mind, but I have such a big back catalog and people haven't heard everything. So I'm now I'm putting out flashback episodes as well every Friday and calling it flashback Friday. So it's also Something is very old and something is very new. So, yeah, I got a lot of content and I'm trying. I have so many plans of what I want to do and uh, what I'm doing. So, yeah, putting out a lot of stuff. 
And your episodes are very highly produced, as you mentioned, and highly edited. So much texture, so many sounds. So everybody who's listening, you definitely have to listen to Pally's podcast because it's on another level. Oh, thank you so much. What are your plans? What do you want to do? Give us some (laughs) insight into your brain. My plans of life or with the podcast? With the podcast, and then we'll get into life after that. (laughs) Okay. I would love to put out more episodes and, and different forms of episodes. I've always been very strict about not doing online interviews because I don't like the sound of Zoom or Skype. But now we're using, right now we're using a platform called Riverside that lets you record locally on the guest's computer as well. So I get a much better, decent, better quality. So I'm planning on launching more interview-based episodes that I do online. I'm still not there yet, but I want to be you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you recommended this to me because I used to make my guests record locally on their side, but even the quality wasn't good enough. So it's been frustrating to find a good option. We won't name names, but there's other pieces of software that crash or don't record or make my computer crash and don't seem Mm. to work that well. But this Riverside FM, not sponsored, but I'll share the link for anybody who needs to record anything. If you need to record meetings, it's way better than Zoom. Yeah. And like I said, for any interested podcasters listening, it records on the guest computer. And so you get two files, you actually get two high HQ video files as well, if you want, if you want to do video as well. And it's like being on a Zoom call, we can see each other on the screen. But sometimes my voice might drop out when what you're hearing, but that's not what goes into the recording. It's really the best quality that you can get. Yeah, we don't have to hear that sound of the Zoom voice, the dreaded Zoom voice, Ugh, which is also hate that. It's like the Skype voice or yeah. any sort of phone connection that just sounds really mm. bad. It sounds like America Online dial-up internet intercepted your voice for a few seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now it sounds as if we're in the same room. We're not, yeah. unfortunately, but the, it, no. it it sounds like that. Yeah. Where are you at the moment? I'm in Belize on um, Amber, uh, uh, Amber, yeah. Amber Key, K, yeah, uh-huh. that's the one, the island with uh, San Pedro. And I'm two weeks here. And before that, I was two weeks in the smaller island, just a little bit south, Key Corca. It is so tiny. And they have a slogan saying, go slow. This island is a little bit bigger and faster. Uh, So uh, I I wanted to try out both islands uh, to see what it feels like. Oh, and so, yeah, what's the difference? What's your perception? I haven't been to Belize, but it looks like a postcard from the photos, especially those islands that you're on. Yeah, and they have the second biggest uh, coral reef uh, right outside the window. So... In the same year, I went um, scuba diving in the the two biggest barrier reefs in the world, first in Great Barrier Reef in Australia and then now now here. So it's absolutely stunning. And it's it's very chill. You've got good restaurants. You've got very friendly people and it's safe. The only thing is um, I recommend don't go in July, August because it's so hot that you won't believe it. I heard there's a heat wave right now in the U.S. anyway, so it's probably dipping into that area of the world or originating there. 
Yeah. And how does the reef look compared to the Great Barrier Reef? Because I actually haven't been snorkeling or scuba diving on the Great Barrier Reef, but I have been a bit around Honduras and places. Mm. Do you feel like the health of the reef over in Belize is better because there's a lot of information online about how the Great Barrier Reef is dying because of climate change and things like that? What have you observed? Well, maybe it was me that was lucky where I went scuba diving in in Australia. I did a a three-day trip on a boat uh, where we had a lot of dives. And uh, the rumor about the Great Barrier Reef being dead is highly exaggerated. It's still very much alive and and so many stunning fish and we did a couple of night dives as well with the the sharks and uh, it was it was really really beautiful here it's beautiful as well i won't be able to say what was best uh they're both stunning and 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 beautiful so yeah there's so much to see is i absolutely love it well we have to dive into your travel style <laughs> because dive <laughs> no fun intended uh, how old are you now? I am 75. No, I'm I'm 58. Oh, like 75. <laughs> I thought you were in your 50s. Wow, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah. 58. You travel at a pace that's like a 13-year-old. You go to a different place every 5.3 days. And the average yeah, that's number this of, year, and I slowed down. And that's slowing down for you. This is madness. And you stayed in 102 different places and 30 countries. Was that this year or last year? That was last year. That was when I was going a bit faster. Yeah. Okay. So how do you do this? We'll just start there. Where have you been and how do you do this? How do you sustain this for seven years now? No, uh, 2022 was more insane than, than normal. Do you want me to run through the countries? I think I can do it with in 45 seconds. Go for it. Okay. I started in uh, in Kenya. Then I went to Uganda, Rwanda, Burundi. Had a lot of experiences there. Then I went to Zanzibar in Tanzania before going to Denmark, Budapest, Cyprus, and then skipping across the world to Washington State and then going back uh, to Europe, to Iceland, then Croatia, Denmark, Croatia, Spain, Portugal, Ghana, Togo, Benin, Togo, Ghana, Sao Tome, Ghana, Rome, the UK, where I did a road trip around the UK with my kids. We were in England, uh, Scotland, Northern Ireland, and Wales. And then I went to Azerbaijan, Georgia, and Armenia, and jumped down back to Africa, my third trip to Africa that year. First, I was in Johannesburg, and then I joined the the nomad base community on a nomad safari, going up to Botswana and Zimbabwe and Zambia. And then we had nomad base in Cape Town. And from there, I went to Thailand for a TBEX conference and then Australia, where I ended my year in front of the Sydney Opera House with the fireworks in the background on a boat. So, yeah, that was my 2022 you just put everyone's bucket list to shame. <laughs> it's interesting coincidence that you said that because right before this podcast, I was just reviewing a video that has the Sydney Opera House in it. And in the video, I talk about how they are the first to celebrate the new year every year. And then five minutes later, I talked to you and you said that. That fireworks. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that was wow. stunning. I mean, there's no way to 
you know, go through all of those countries in one podcast episode, which no. is why everyone <laughs> should listen to your podcast. So you have different interviews with people around the world. I saw some from Bulgaria that you had this week, from Liechtenstein, Uganda, Ukraine. But what drives you to go to all of these places? You mentioned going on a road trip with your family. So it seems like some of it is family related, but what is the motivation behind all of these trips? I have a, a friend from Fort Florida that I travel with a lot. And sometimes she would say, hey, want to go to on this uh, trip to, to Africa? We were actually planning that one with the with more people, but then it ended up being just me and her. We we got to know each other through the couchsurfing community. And we uh, started uh, our first trip was in Saudi Arabia in, in December 21. And then, yeah, then we did the Africa trip to Ghana, Togo, Benin, and Sao Tome. And it was basically because, yeah, you want to go? I said, yeah, sure, why not? And we also did the trip to Georgia, Armenia, and Azerbaijan. And also she joined me on a, a road trip around the South Island of New Zealand uh, uh, this year. And then some of the reasons that I jump so much from place to place is because I'm also producing and co-hosting the podcast for TBEX, which is uh, for a community for travel bloggers and travel content creators, travel podcasters, travel YouTubers. And uh, every time they have a conference, I, I go on to those. So that's why I was in Washington State and, uh, and Spain and Thailand. It was for that conference. And then, yeah, I had the opportunity to go to, to Nomad Base, both in, in Croatia and, and uh, Cape Town and, and do the Nomad Safari as well. And I thought, yeah, why not? So, yeah, it, it panned out that way. And a lot of it was road trip, to be fair. So where it was just one or two nights in the same place, that's also what, that, what brings the number up and makes it look so crazy. In that uh, 102 beds, one was in Thailand for a full month. So... I do slow down sometimes. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. When I look at it, I can see that it's it is crazy and it is a lot. And it's so different than most nomads. Actually, the episode that I just put out a few days ago when we we're recording this was uh, something I recorded with seven nomads in, in Bansko, Bulgaria, where I was uh, for a nomad fest. And uh, we talk about travel speed. And most of them, the most common answer is, well, at least a month and preferably three months in the same place. And I just, wow, I'm, I'm so different. I'm so different. And the funny thing is that one of them said, well, it tends to be the younger nomads uh, that travel fast. They want to see the world. And that was like, well, that makes me feel like a teenager. Yeah. Well, I think that, um, I mean, you must know something that we don't, I don't think I could sustain that level while still being able to focus on work and things like that. So how much of your time are you spending with sightseeing and then how much is dedicated to recording these podcasts? You told me that you're working for Lego now. So mm -hmm. what kind of work are you doing on the road and how many hours per week are you working? It varies a lot. I do podcasts for Lego for something called Lego Art, which is Lego for grownups, basically. And it's a lot of interviews with guests that are all over the world. So we also use Riverside for that. And and sometimes uh, there's 
a lot of planning, uh, writing the questions, finding the guests. And it's it's not a lot of work that I can do in between and then go sightseeing and, and, and do some recordings for my own podcast and then do a little bit of that, maybe having a, a, a meeting once in a while uh, to keep the project in, in motion. And then when I'm doing the interviews or when we're doing the interviews and, and I do the editing of those episodes, then it's it's like 10 hours a day just uh, cranking out work. But that's very concentrated. So that's why I went to Rome because um, the host of that one was based in Rome. And uh, I thought why I was in Africa before and I thought I, I just need a good internet connection. And I thought, why not go to Rome and, and be with her in the studio as, as we're doing the interviews to be more face to face. But it's not necessary. Normally, that's the only time I've done that. Normally, the hosts are somewhere else in the world and I'm sitting back as the producer in the background mm. and I can do that anywhere. So I could have been anywhere. I just needed to be somewhere with a decent internet connection. So that's why I went to Rome. And then after that, I got the recordings and I was sitting in my Airbnb in Rome editing it. Obviously, I still went out and had some great Italian food. I, I took a day off where I went to the Vatican and, and saw that again. Uh, so it's not a four-hour work week. I don't know what the hours are on average, but um, it varies. Does your life now compare to what you thought it would be when you left Denmark? Yeah, it's so interesting. It, it's I've, I've been traveling full time for seven years now, completely without a home base. And when I started and when I was starting to do the planning, I actually called my project around the world in 80 weeks because I thought it sounded funny. Instead of 80 days. <laughs> yeah, that's only a year and a half. So then I thought, ah, oh, it's probably going to be two years. And then I thought, well, maybe four years. And now it's been seven years and uh, and I have no plans of putting my passport in a in a drawer somewhere and getting a home base again. I really, really don't. I keep saying I could see myself slowing down, but I don't think I am. <laughs> uh, not right now, but I could see myself getting to the feeling where I need a home base. It's something I spoke to our mutual friend Nora Dunn about, that, that uh, she got a home base back in Toronto. And it happened to her when she'd been traveling full time for uh, 10, 12 years. And it tends to be a thing for a lot of nomads that are traveling full time without a home base that once they get to the 10-year mark is when they feel like having a home base again somewhere. And then for Nora, when, well, she got the home base and now she's only there a couple of months a year. So, <laughs> so she's still a, a nomad, but a nomad with a home base. That might be the case for me as well. I really don't know. I just do what feels right. And sometimes I feel I need to stay hungry. And if I'm getting to a place and I can't be bothered with walking one kilometers to see a big waterfall because yeah i've seen something similar before i was just in new zealand so why bother that's when i tell myself okay you need to slow down and get the hunger back you need to be bored and get the hunger back to because that's why i'm traveling is to experience new exciting things and if i don't appreciate it then um, i have to i have to slow down yeah, I had the same rule that if I was in a place and I didn't feel like going to see some magnificent thing in the area or getting to know the people or something, then I knew that I was 
in a rut and I needed to sort things out. So you have this knack for traveling to these places very quickly, often with people, sometimes by yourself, and also doing these amazing interviews with locals. How do you meet people? How do you find these, uh, make these contacts and connections in the places that you go? Sometimes it can be a tour guide, or sometimes it can be my uh, my Airbnb host. When I was in Kikawker, they were filming a big Hollywood production, a film with Michael Douglas and his son, and it was a big production. So I was standing in the street, and there were a lot of locals hired in to help with security and uh, medical. And I started chatting to a local guy that was there in case one of the stuntmen fell off a roof, and he had to be there to help him. And... Uh, even though that was on the small island, Kikawker, he told me that he lived on this island where I am right now. So I got his contacts and I actually randomly bumped into him on the street uh, yesterday. And uh, we're going to be meeting uh, on Saturday when he has time to sit down with me. I also just bring my microphone everywhere. And uh, if I see something exciting or interesting, I start recording and I go and look at places uh, and and talk to people. And if I feel there's something exciting or I feel that there's a good story, I got the microphone as an excuse to contact them and say, can I come and visit this orphanage? Can I uh, talk to you about the project that you're doing with the elephants or whatever it is? So it's give, it's opening doors for me. So I'm glad I'm bringing a microphone because I'm getting experiences that I, I wouldn't normally have. Which microphone are you using? The Zoom, right? Which one is it? I'm using uh, the Zoom H6, which is a big one. Uh, I got a couple of different microphones I can plug onto it. And then I also have this small one, the Zoom H1, that I can also just put in my pocket and and have a a lavalier microphone if I'm doing a a little video and recording on that. I got the uh, Samsung Q2U here. I got a Shure SM7B. I have some wireless microphones. Um, Yeah, I have a lot. Okay, I don't feel so bad now traveling with so much equipment. <laughs> yeah, and now I'm now I'm getting into more and more video as well. And that that is that I'm recording more and more. I got the Insta 360 camera, and uh, a couple of uh, weeks ago I bought my first drone. So now I'm traveling with a drone as well. Which um, drone did you get? I just got the smallest uh, one that I could get, the DJI Mini 3, not even the Mini 3 Pro, but it's so small because I needed something tiny uh, because I'm I'm carrying enough stuff as it is. And I bought that when I was in Connecticut and then I went to New York and I couldn't fly in either of these places. Then I went to Key Cocker and they had a little airport there as well. So I couldn't fly there on the entire island. So when I got to this island, I went outside uh, to the northern part of the island where it was possible. So a few days ago, I went on my first flight with my drone. And it's it's such a fun toy. I'm still such a newbie and uh, I need to learn a lot. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. I get massive anxiety every time I fly my drone. Exactly. I just think oh, I'm going to lose thought- it. <laughs> 
I thought it was going to be better after doing it for a while, like riding a bicycle. Oh my God. Well, I don't fly mine that often. And I actually just sent mine back with my mom because I want to get a new one. I want to get one of those minis because mine was too bulky. It was taking up too much space, but my brother is a pro photographer, videographer, drone pilot, and he just lost one in Hawaii this oh. year. So it does happen. You've got to get, I guess, insurance or just, but, but it, it is like riding a bike. It's just that I wouldn't, I would go a few months without flying it and then I would feel awkward again. And then a lot of times <laughs> it's windy. You don't really notice the wind until you go to fly a drone and then you, you're checking the wind on your weather. Like, oh God, it's 27 mile per hour gusts. And I don't know if this thing yeah. can handle it. And, and it, it might be it might be different winds up there than it is on the ground. So you never really yeah. know. And what kind of hard drives are you traveling with? Because you've got a lot of content and yeah. I have three right now, four. I have none. What are you doing it in the cloud? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's heavy files. Yeah, especially the uh, the drone shots and the Insta360. The Insta360, every time after a day of shooting with that, I got 50 gigabytes. Yeah. Yeah, I got a, I got a pro Dropbox version. And I if, if Dropbox all of a sudden collapses and I lose all those files, I don't know what I'll do because all the podcasts are up there, all the videos. Uh, so I, I trust them more than I trust an external hard drive. I've had those and every time I've had one, all of a sudden I can't access the files. So uh -huh. I don't trust the hard drives and I, I bought some good ones, some pro ones, and it happens to me every time. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And how do you edit then? Do you download the file and edit yeah. it on your computer and then upload it? Yeah. Okay. With, with Dropbox, I can, I can see all the, uh, all the folders and then I can just see that uh, it's in the cloud. And then if I want to go and do an episode, I, I'm very structured in the way that I, I, I organize my, my folders. It's always with the year, the month and the day and the place. So mm -hmm. I can see where the files are. And then I just uh, right click on them and said, make available offline and then go have a cup of coffee or go uh, for a swim. And then I come back and I can start working on it. With my videos, I'm editing those in uh, Final Cut Pro. And I am not a pro on that. I'm more an audio guy. With audio, I do my podcast in Hindenburg Journalist Pro, which is um, such a great uh, software for podcasters. Okay. Well, we'll have a long list of show notes on this one with all of the microphones <laughs> you use. And... I think about you often. I don't know if you know this, but uh, you oh, kind of you. changed my life. Thank you. Thank you. You changed my life with the, um, we're mutual fans, with the microphone because you were the one who told me about the Zoom microphones. And I ended up getting a Zoom H2N, which is, you know, one of the older ones. And I yeah. love it. I use it almost every day. And I always think of you when I'm out recording things and recording sounds. I should use it more for just talking to people out in the streets. But I even use it for my voiceovers because I think it sounds better. I use it for music production. I, <laughs> one day I was filming or recording, I'll record street sounds. I was recording a sign that was flashing and blinking and making a sound. I was recording a sprinkler and I'm like, what is my life <laughs> out here walking around <laughs> with this microphone <laughs> recording nature? 
I feel it's something that really brings some mental pictures when mm. you have those street sounds. So that's why I love speaking to people where it's in the place. The sound is what it is. I can't do a conversation if I'm in a cafe with loud music in the background. That doesn't work because it's impossible to edit and there's copyright issues and all of that. But having the local market in the background where you can hear a little bit of people speaking in a different language. Uh, I did an episode when I went gorilla trekking in Uganda and hearing the uh, sound of the jungle in the background is amazing. And yeah, and the footsteps and uh, yeah, if, if it, it brings some pictures to my my mind when I'm listening to stuff. So I always record more generic um, street sound or, or field recording than I need. So I have something to put in the background and play around with. Yeah, I'm going to start doing that more. Okay, guys, get ready for more sound design. It really Yay. adds that something extra to videos as well. And I do yeah. it when I have time. I actually thought of hiring just a sound designer to do that for my videos because it makes a huge difference. And uh, I like to add the water sounds and the birds yes. and things, yes. but it yes. takes as long as editing the video to do the sound design correctly. I know. So, I know. yeah. And sometimes, you know, if the video doesn't do well, it's like I just spent an extra 10 hours on sound <laughs> design. So it's, you know, it's an ebb and a flow. Hey there, Kristen here. If you want to travel like Pale and I and go further faster, then you don't want clunky luggage holding you back. And that's why I use Manal as my carry-on and laptop backpack. Manal was founded by two friends who are passionate about travel and they have been 100% community funded since day one, including using Kickstarter. I've had a Manal bag for years now and it has really gone the distance and I always get a lot of compliments and people asking me where I got it. So you can check out Manal's travel bags and bundles and travel accessories by using our link in the show notes and get free shipping to more than 60 countries on orders over $400. They also offer refurbished gear that's guaranteed to be in like new condition and comes with their full lifetime warranty. So check them out using our link in the show notes and you can get free shipping to more than 60 countries. How do you go about planning these trips or are you just completely winging it because I think that's one of the reasons why I haven't been to Africa yet is because you've got how many countries are in Africa? 54. Yeah. I'm like 45, 54. And it's like, where do you start? You know, you got, I started in Central America and Mexico. I'm like, okay, I can manage this. You know, there's only a few countries, figure one out at a time. But yeah, when you were faced with the option of 54 countries on a continent, it's just a bit overwhelming to even know. Mm. Yeah. Which country do you start with and what are your resources for planning these road trips and journeys through multiple countries? Yeah, well, just to say a few words about Africa, my first um, trip to Africa was to Cape Town and it's still my favorite place on the planet. I absolutely love that city and, and the whole country and the people. But people also say if you've only been to Cape Town, you haven't really been to Africa. You, mm -hmm. you need to see more. 
So, and I wanted to see more. I did a road trip from Cape Town to Johannesburg where I went to uh, Eswanti, uh, what was used to be Swaziland, now Eswanti. And I almost went to Lesotho. I got to the border and then I couldn't go any further. Long story, listen to the podcast <laughs> and Mozambique as well. And then I wanted to see more. So I did a trip to Kenya. Uh, Kenya is fairly accessible as well and easy to travel to. And, and from there to Uganda, the same for that. I've also done the Northwestern Africa, Morocco, did a big road trip all the way down to Guinea and Guinea-Bissau through Senegal and uh, the Gambia. And then the, the trip I went to, did to Ghana, Togo and Benin, I'm so lucky having a, a good travel companion in, uh, in Cynthia that she's a lawyer in Florida and travel is her passion. She takes a lot more vacation than most American lawyers. I can tell you that. She's been to more than 130 countries. And uh, I'm so blessed that she loves to plan. So so when she's uh, doing her day-to-day -day life, her hobby is to plan trips. So she does a lot of planning. So that's been super great. And we travel in the same travel style. We're, we're just two good friends. Uh, there's uh, nothing more than that. And uh, we're really traveling well together. So that's a good thing. And as for where I decide to go, sometimes it's because I do the TBEX uh, conferences that I talked about, and that's what brought me to this side of the Atlantic. Uh, I was in uh, in Wisconsin for a TBEX, and then when I'm in that continent, I try to go and see other places. So I went to Connecticut to uh, see, see some friends, and then I went to New York to see some more friends before going down here to Belize. And the reason I decided to go to Belize was well, I haven't been here. And like my T-shirt says, I haven't been everywhere, but it's on my list. <laughs> I think I have that coffee mug. <laughs> oh, I thought I came up with that. I must have <laughs> stolen it somewhere. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I hadn't been to Belize and Belize is my country number 118. So I decided to go here. And after here, I am actually going to Playa del Carmen uh, in Mexico. I've been to Mexico. I haven't been to Playa del Carmen, but uh, it's such a, a big uh, nomad hotspot. So I wanted to see what that's like. And then I've invited my oldest daughter to come and join me. So it's a good place uh, to spend a couple of weeks with a 29-year-old. And uh, yeah. we're, we're going to be having a little bit of beach life and uh, enjoying the city and then renting a car and going out, seeing some more of Mexico while we're there. In my desperate attempt to slow down, I'm staying a full month in, in Playa del Carmen. That'll fly by. Yeah, I know. And then from there, I'm not really sure where I'm going. I know where I'm going to be in October, and that's a, quite a different place. But at the end of September, I'm probably going to do a couple of weeks in Honduras in the beginning of October before going to Ukraine. Okay. Yeah, we'll talk about that. I'm very curious, though, by the way, you're like number one dad. Your kids are so lucky. Like, oh, yeah, come to Playa del Carmen <laughs> for a month and have some beach time. How are you getting internet in these places? Are you carrying some hotspots with you, global hotspots that allow you to upload this content to the cloud? No, I'm hoping to get a, a good Wi-Fi in, in the places that I'm staying. It can be challenging in some parts of the world where mm -hmm. my computer gets filled up because I can't get all the files to Dropbox while I'm there. But as for my cell connection, I used to get a local SIM card all the time when I got to a new place. 
But now I found a, an eSIM company that can get me an eSIM so I can actually set it up before I mm-hmm. even go to the country. And then once I'm on the ground, I just activate it. And uh, while I'm in the airport and uh, I got, I'm online immediately as I get there. So that's good. I don't need to go chasing for an, a regular SIM card anymore. Are they giving you a good amount of data with that? Do you know what your plan is? Not really. I just started using it when I was in Greece. So I've, I did it in Greece and then I'm doing it here in Belize. But it's a trial for me to see if it's it's good. And then I might go back to buying the local SIM cards. That could be your backup, basically, because yeah. you've got you can activate that in advance. And then for the really affordable data, that's very fast. I'd go with the local SIMs. Uh, whenever I was talking with Matt Bowles about his road trip through Africa, I think he was in Ghana and a lot of different countries and they had problems with finding internet or getting good internet at their Airbnbs and things like that, that made it hard to work. So I was wondering if there were any countries in your travels this year that you were pleasantly surprised by how good the internet speeds were. Like I was happy in Bulgaria with the internet speeds. Does Armenia have good internet and Georgia? I haven't been there. Yeah. It's not something that sticks out in my mind as either good or bad. So I think it's it was it was decent. It was decent. I, when I was in Bansko, I actually had some issues with my uh, my Airbnb Wi-Fi, but it ran out of data all the time. But it was included, so I just had to contact my host every second day and saying, "Okay, I'm out again," and they had to fill it up. Uh, but most places, it's good. If you go to some places in Africa, it can be challenging. I think the the best, the biggest surprise I had was actually when we met in 2018 and I got a local SIM card in Rio. And it was faster than any Wi-Fi I'd ever been on, uh, <laughs> just standing in the street in Rio de Janeiro. And uh, yeah, that surprised me. Sometimes the uh, the local SIM cards can be be really fast, but just as long as it works, it's it's. I, I use it when I'm out and about for um, for Google Maps and and just getting a WhatsApp message or uh, I'm and then once I get to the more stationary uh, uh, Wi-Fi at my place, I can do more uploading. I should have gotten one in Brazil because that Porto de Galinhas Wi-Fi was very slow. I think it was three megabits per second or something. Mm-hmm. You've done a lot of traveling by yourself. You've done a lot of traveling with your friend from Florida, and you've also done the Nomad Cruise and met up with people from Nomad Base. There's this preconception that group travel or co-living is just for young people, but I disagree with that. And you've done it a lot. What would you say the pros and cons are of traveling in these groups and why do you keep linking up with these communities? Yeah, well, I travel most of the time alone and actually I have never done a co-living. The the one in, in Playa del Carmen is going to be my first co-living. It was something that was talked about. I'm I'm doing an episode with the Seven Nomads uh, in, in Bansko about the whole community feeling as well and how you build a community. And a lot of them talked about co-living and yeah, I've never done it. And I thought, I need to try that. I've done a lot of hostels around the world, and that's great. But co-living, I could see that as being super great. I'm I'm going to get my own room with its own little kitchen and the bathroom. So it's going to be like 
being in an Airbnb like I'm in right now, where I have my own tiny space here. But the co-living where you can, there's a co-work space in the building and the, there's a community and a communal kitchen and they do events together. I, I, I think that's going to be exciting. What is that place called? Anana, I think. Anana. Okay. Yeah. It's very inexpensive and um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. So ask me in a, in a month time and I'll tell you what it was like. Yeah, I've done the, uh, the Nomad Base and the Nomad Cruise. I've done three Nomad Cruises so far and I'm actually signed up for the next one in December going back to Brazil. So get your ticket, Christian. Uh, we, we need to do that. So that's always great because it's uh, the Nomad Cruise community is like a big family and the same people that do uh, the Nomad Base. And every time I go to these things, it's like a, a school reunion. It's like, oh, how are you? What have you been doing? And, uh, and make some new friends. And yeah, it's, it's really great great to be in that community and then if i'm somewhere uh, there's a good chance that somebody is around that uh, i can meet up with i'm sure i'm gonna meet some people i know when i get to mexico yeah there's a lot of people in that playa del carmen tulum region but i i think we're two birds of a feather in that sense because we both travel alone a lot but we also like meeting up with these communities and and doing some group travel. And I like to do co-living sometimes, but I've got to be in the mood for it. And I'm going to talk to Nora Dunn about that because she's linking up with the Wi-Fi tribe, I believe, in Estonia. Yeah. And yeah, it, it does have its pros and drawbacks. Yeah, I've spoken to both Matt Bowles and, and Nora about the remote year. Matt's done remote year and, and also there's the Wi-Fi tribe and similar things where you travel with a group from place to place and, and being part of that. And I can see the appeal of that. I've never done it because obviously you also pay a premium fee for people to book the tickets and book the places. And that's something I can do myself. So I've never done it, but I can see the appeal of it and, and being part of this family. It's so funny because I feel like an extrovert. And I spoke to Nora about this when we were in Bansko, and she also feels like an extrovert. Uh, no, she seems like an extrovert when you meet her always talking to people but she said well i'm actually an introvert but that's when i get my energy back it's when i'm having me time and that made me think yeah it's i kind of feel the same way i enjoy meeting people and i can go up to people but i also like to be with myself and even if i'm at a big event i can all of a sudden think yeah i need i need a few minutes so I stand in a corner or go outside or do something to kind of get my energy back. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, I'm the same way. And, and after going to so many conferences, I started to learn that about myself. But I got voted most outgoing in high school. We have these superlatives. So <laughs> You fooled them. <laughs> introverted extrovert. Yeah. Well, how do you think that you have changed in these seven years? It's really hard to see because I'm in the forest to see the trees. And how have I changed? I, I rarely, rarely, rarely have a bad day. It's so rare that I get sick. 
I had a bit of food poisoning when I was in the US and I did have a 24 hour COVID a year ago, but I rarely, rarely get sick. And I think it's because I expose myself to so many germs all the time that <laughs> my immune system is pretty good. And I'm almost always happy and content with life and uh, don't really have a bad day. So I'm really a positive person and enjoys life. And if I don't like it, I can just move. I'm so flexible that I can just go somewhere else, experience some new things. And then a thing that really have made me think is that I feel that time is moving slower when I'm traveling. I've been traveling for seven years. And if I lived in Denmark and I was more or less on autopilot, did the same things every day, seven years would go by in a flash. But for me, those seven years feels like a lifetime because so much has happened. And when I was reflecting on my 2022 at New Year's Eve, I thought, wow, a year ago, I started the year doing hot air balloons over Masamara, and then I did all that. And now I'm here and I can't believe it's only a year. Whereas when I lived in Denmark, you would blink and then it would be Christmas again. So I think I, I found a secret way of slowing down time. My traveling year seems like way, way longer than 10 years when I lived in Denmark. Yeah, I think it's because you're so aware and you're so present and observing your surroundings more. I actually looked into it and, and, and found someone who said that it's because you put your brain to work. You're not on autopilot. When you go to a supermarket, you have to figure out what the, the products are in a different language. How do you say salted butter in, <laughs> uh, in, in a different language? And even down to where's the light switch and how does the washing machine work? Where do I shop? Where do I go? Every little thing you have to think about. So my brain is at work all the time. And I think that's what makes it feel like time is moving slower. Yes, that's very powerful. And I do think it is a secret fountain of youth because even the ability to recall in 45 seconds all of the places that you went in the past year. I mean, how many of us can do that with, mm -hmm. you know, if you just ask somebody, where were you on January 17th? You'd be like, I don't know, at home, at work. And I felt like those pandemic years went by very slowly at the beginning, but then very fast once it was clear that we were just settling in for that right. ride. Right. And it's hard. I mean, it's like a blur to me because I was in Miami the whole time. Now I did things. I still did things. But the, the things that I remember are the activities, you know, like I remember when I started with learning how to DJ, the people that I met, my neighbors and the different houses that I was living in. And when I went to Canada for the running remote conference, like you remember people, you remember experiences, you remember challenges and struggles. You're going to remember a breakup. You're, you know, you're going to remember this family trip or whatever. And mm -hmm. when I travel, I can tell you, I, I think I just talked about this summer. It was in my solo travel video, maybe like I can tell you where I was in October of 2005 <laughs> You know, you associate a month and a date with a place, with an experience, and it like gives you this photographic memory. Do you find that? Yeah. 
I also keep a list. I, I have a spreadsheet where I put in also to track my expenses for travel and accommodation. So I uh, I can always go refer back to my my list and see where I was. And I've, I've got that all the way back from the 6th of July, 2016. So that's why I know exactly how many places I stayed in 22 and, and this year is because I, I can just go and check it on that list. It's really interesting. And, and talking about COVID, I was lucky enough to get to Cape Town, my favorite city uh, for a lockdown. And I thought it was going to be a couple of months, as we all did. And then I stayed in the same place for two and a half months. And even though that apartment was absolutely wonderful, it was in one of the best areas of Cape Town. uh, And uh, the apartment was amazing. I was going out of my mind because two and a half months in the same place is not what I was used to. So then I thought, well, I can move. I can't leave the country, but I can move within Cape Town. So I moved to the City Bowl and stayed there for a month with a view of Table Mountain. And then I moved to Hout Bay for a month. And then I moved 500 meters to another apartment in Hout Bay and then to Camps Bay. So I moved five, I stayed five different places uh, in my nine month in, in Cape Town. And that made me feel a little bit like still being a nomad and packing and unpacking. Oh, wow. Nine months there. Yeah, that must have been something after this experience. But how did you feel like your experience was different getting to know one city so well over those nine months, even though you were on lockdown compared to passing through a place for a few days or a week or a month at a time? I really enjoyed it. And also because I the reason I moved to Hout Bay is because I have some friends there, uh, Samantha from uh, Nomad Cruise that I'm sure you remember, and uh, her family and her friends. So I got to hang out with them a lot, which was uh, very nice. And then I have some other friends and I got to know a lot more of the area and it confirms me that it's a great place and there's so much it has to offer. And yeah, that was nice. But after those nine months, I was ready to get back on the road from. So starting November 2020, I was traveling again full time, both in Europe and South and Central America. And um, yeah, I did a lot of traveling. And then after jumping around the world for a year, I heard people say, oh, it's good that the pandemic is almost over and now we can travel again. And I thought, well, what do you mean? I've been doing it for a long time. <laughs> What is another place that you would go for nine months if you had to? Oh, Australia, New Zealand. Absolutely. It seems like I'm choosing places that are so far away from my home country. Yeah, I could definitely see myself living in both Australia and maybe even more New Zealand. It's absolutely wonderful. Both the nature and the people and the mentality of people. And it's, yeah. I need to go there. Yeah, it's... I have my stuff in storage right now. And I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll just go for, you know, a year and then come back. And then, no, I'm going to be traveling again for a very long time. And I don't know when I'm going to want a home base again, because there's already this long list of places where I want to stay for a long time, like three months, six months, one year. You know, I could totally see myself doing six months in Australia, six months in New Zealand. I mean, I already lived in Australia when I was studying, so I didn't have that much time to really explore. So I only saw really from Sydney to the sunny coast, probably. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you could spend so much time in each of these places and just, yeah, keep going. So it's, yeah. if you start everyone listening, like you'll probably, you'll probably keep going for longer than you think. You might not go forever, but you 
six months easily turns into one year, three months turns into six months, and one year can turn into seven or eight years. Yeah. How long time have you been nomading? Well, I've been living abroad on and off since 2002, so more than 20 years now. And I've been nomadic. Like Even when I lived in Costa Rica, I probably moved... 20 times in eight years. I had moved to so many different houses. And then I did a year in Nicaragua. And then I went fully nomadic in January of 2013. And that's when I just basically was going around the world with no end date. Uh, And then I've had home bases. I've had home bases in North Carolina and Florida throughout, which is nice to have. But did you get the feeling for a home base uh, again after uh, 10 years like we talked about? Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I was actually relieved that we were stuck during the pandemic because I was in Miami for three months. That's That was slowing down for me. Okay, I'm going to do three months here. And then my first month was February and then March. I think it was March 1st or somewhere somewhere around the Super Bowl that I got there and then you know, by March 12th or 20th, we were on lockdown. So Mm -hmm. that ended up being very good for me. I really needed that. And I didn't know until months into the lockdown that I was like, I'm not ready to leave yet. And I was really enjoying just being stuck there with my paddleboard on the canal and just these lazy days. Well, not lazy because I was working a lot, but and it was very scary at first and unknown. But yeah, I, I'm in a phase now where I'm enjoying the slow traveling. But as you mentioned with the grocery store, this morning I was walking to the park. And it's funny how quickly you get into a routine in these places. And I walked by Aldi to get some bananas. And I just had this out-of-body experience <laughs> where I thought, I'm a local at this grocery store. <laughs> Like, this is my local Aldi. And am I going to look back at this time and just think about how I went to Aldi three days a week, you know? (laughs) Um, So it's weird. It's it's a weird experience. And these people are seeing me all the time. They're seeing me in the park. They're seeing me walking through the neighborhood. They're seeing me out. They're never going to see me again. It's kind of weird. Yeah. It's weird to be so present in a place that you become a local and you recognize people. Like this morning at the park, I saw this guy. I know that he had three dogs, but one dog got poisoned. And so now he has two dogs and I saw him walking by. It's like, hi. So like, I know things that have happened to these people and then, yeah, I'll just be gone yeah. moving on to the next thing. So I don't know. I don't know if that's good or bad or it just, it just is what it is. It is what it is. But uh, yeah. And, and uh, in the episode that I just put out the with the, the seven nomads, uh, one of the guests, he talked about him and his girlfriend going to this cafe in Portugal and got to know the dog of the owner and uh, and the owner himself. And then they left and came back a year later. And uh, the owner, he came with what they always got. And he said, I almost didn't recognize you because you're not wearing glasses. And that was a year after. So those experiences really heartwarming where you become more like part of the community than a visitor and a tourist where people get to know you. Yeah. And the reality of the matter is that our time on this planet is finite. And whether it's an experience at a cafe with someone or at a park or on a boat, 
or on a Zoom call or whatever. It's like we only have so many of these experiences and it's a big decision and it's a big responsibility to choose how you want to spend your time and where you want to spend it and with whom. So, but it is also a reminder of how, you know, fleeting our time is and to make the most of it. Yeah, I, I actually, the whole conception of time, that, that whole thing, I actually did a, an online TEDx talk about that. That's on my homepage. In that, I end up by saying that with this lifestyle, I'm going to live until I'm 150. Or at least it'll feel like that. So I'm, I'm feeling that I cracked the code on how to make it feel like I'm older. And in the beginning, I said that I'm 75. It feels like I'm 75. Not that I feel old and tired, but it feels like I've been on the planet for 75 years because I've had so many experiences. Yes. Well, I think, I mean, I don't know where to take it from there. I think this is the <laughs> best place to wrap up here. Is there anything you want to share with us and where can people find your podcast and follow your travels and maybe even travel with you? Yeah, well, my podcast is called The Radio Vagabond, The Radio Vagabond, and that's about where you'll find me on all the podcast apps and, and on uh, on social media. And I really hope that people will listen. In fact, when we did that video in Brazil, I've had so many people write to me and saying that they found my podcast because of that interview, more than any other interview that I've ever done in my life. And I've done quite a few. So hopefully a lot of people will listen to this and discover my podcast and I can get a lot of new listeners. That would be awesome. And uh, yeah, go find me on the radiovagabond.com and, and see where you else can find me. Yes, this podcast is not as exotic because we're not sitting on the beach in Brazil. So I just wanted to see how many views that video has. This is called Becoming a Digital Nomad in Your 50s. And who knew that that sunset conversation would have such an impact in the world, but it looks like it had, that was episode seven mm -hmm. of the podcast. 80,000 views. Wow. So that is a lot. That's a lot of views. We'll link to that in the show notes as well. But it's such a pleasure talking with you always, Pale. And everyone, this has been Philosophy Hour with Pale and Kristen. <laughs> hope you enjoyed. <laughs> and I hope that we get to see each other in real life soon. And maybe I'll go to one of those travel conferences. Yeah. Get your butt on the Nomad Cruise December. It could be. I'm going back to Florida for a wedding and Thanksgiving. And then I was planning on just spending the holidays in, in Florida, but maybe. That was before we had this conversation. Yes. Plans change. Plans can change, people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thanks so much, Pele. And thanks, everyone, for spending time with us today. I hope it gave you a lot to think about. And we'll see you again next week. Wow. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation with Pale. I did not know where it was going there at the end, but I'm glad that we got deep and we got personal and I hope it gave you a lot to think about. And remember that you can support the show and check out new travel gear from Manal or by getting a discount on your next rental car reservation with discovercars.com by using our affiliate links in the show notes and also getting ready for your next trip. 
So travel on, travel safe. Thanks for spending time with me today and I will see you again next week.